I'm Mason Toy, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined per usual by my friend Callum Williams. And we're joined by not one, but two special guests, Mason Toy and Ja'Cory Hayes. Uh, although I know everyone is looking forward to the return of Minnesota United soccer with the MLS's back tournament, we wanted to take an episode right now and talk about some of the things that are bigger than just the game. We're we're recording this on the day before Juneteenth, a holiday commemorating the day uh, that word of the Confederacy's defeat and the Emancipation Proclamation finally reached the last slaveholding community in Texas. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a massive holiday, and uh, with everything that's going on right now, uh, seems more important than ever. So um, maybe we'll, we'll just start there, and maybe um, I just want to have you guys talk a little bit about, you know, the holiday Juneteenth, um, you know, what it's meant to you, and and you know, what it means this year, especially, um, let's, let's start with, uh, Ja'Cory. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Cause it's not a holiday or anything you learned in school. So it's something that, you know, I learned myself the last few years from television, from social media. And, um, it's pretty, pretty sad that you have to learn it that way. Um, but hopefully, you know, this year and years coming, it can be a, a, a time to reflect and a time to, you know, celebrate, you know, and um, looking forward to whatever we end up doing tomorrow. You know, a couple of us are trying to get together to either volunteer in the community and have a little celebration in the afternoon. So um, I'm excited to start off a, a tradition of my own or with these guys and carry it forward in my own life whenever I'm done playing soccer and keep doing it for you know the rest of my life. Yeah. So when, um, when did you feel like you became aware of the holiday? I think it was for me, it was the last couple of years. Um, but you know, when, when did it become a thing? First of all, for you, Ja'Cory, and then I'll move on to Mason with his stuff. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was like on Twitter, I heard about it. And then, uh, I'm a big fan of a show called Blackish. And so they ran an episode on it as well. And it was like, Oh, like, this is like a, a, a like a real thing. And you no, know, again, like, why am I not learning about this in my normal schooling? So, um, is, and also just the length of, you, you say like slavery's done when, you know, Abraham Lincoln signs it into law or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, everyone must've found out about it the next day. It's all good. And it's like, no, it took years later before like everyone finally heard the news. And then, you know, you can go into how whitewash history has been with all of it, but you know, it's, you didn't hear you didn't learn any of that in your normal schooling. So I'm I'm pretty upset about, you know, how history is taught in these in this country. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Mason, um, your thoughts on it. I'm also curious about when when it became something that you were aware of in your life. Yeah, for me, uh same thing as Jacory, but just in the past couple of years. Um again, just to piggyback off of off of Jacory, I mean, um, it does frustrate me as well, um, that this isn't taught in school. Um, that, you know, we're only getting a piece of true history. I think there's a lot of stuff that is untold um, to us growing up. We just kind of get one side of the story uh, when it comes to history um, and learning about our country's history. And um, I think a lot of people are, are, are blind to some facts that 
um, you know, could benefit them uh, knowing, especially for us and, and for all of our classmates, you know, for them to know that slavery just didn't end right away. Um, after that, you know, it, it took some time, it took some years and, and people weren't just uh, freed right away. So um, it does frustrate me as well. But um, just just to learn about this now and that I didn't learn this, you know, growing up, just learning, um, you know, normal, you know, American history. So. Uh, let me ask you both, Jacory, I'll, I'll start with you. Obviously, it's been a few weeks now since the murder of George Floyd, and we've seen uh, worldwide protests. Um, how has it been for both of you over the last couple of weeks? What sort of emotions have you been going through? Um, I think I'm past like the emotion phase and with all of it, you know, I immediately when it happened, you know, I was, you know, really confused and just like, you know, I, I've talked about it a lot, just like, you know, this is another instance, another, another repeat of the kind of the same thing we've seen for a few years now with the, you know, cameras recording everything and, um, you know, something that's been going on for centuries. And so it's just now becoming illuminated with the camera phone, but um, it's just a, a, a repetitive cycle, um, you know, and now I've had a couple of these like discussions with uh, various people and it's starting to get to the point where it's uh, now it's what actions are we going to take to uh, prevent injustices like this from happening with police brutality, but also tackling other issues and so uh, social justice issues in the in this country. So not just police brutality, but you know, we've, we've talked about voting, talked about education, talked about you know, wealth gap, just how, like affordable housing. So there's a lot of different issues. And um, I'm at the stage now where it's like, all right, let's talk about, you know, what we can do to make a difference in our communities. Um, and so I, I think that's the that's the right place where we need to be at now and, you know, making sure we stay on top of, you know, making those changes, but also making it lasting. And it's not something we're going to forget about, you know, next month, next year. It's uh, something that we're continuously doing. Yeah, it's it's really one of those things where it, I really hope that this is a moment for, you know, action to begin and become persistent. I think that's one of the hardest things is that, you know, something like this happens. This It does feel different right now. And, and it feels like it's had more impact right now than than some other incidents in the past. We've seen the incidents haven't even stopped, like since George Floyd's murder, like we're dealing with things that are, have, you know, more incidents happening. Um, it, and it's just sort of exposing that. But it's like, it's, it is going to take this consistent focus, this, you know, not losing heart or not losing, you know, that, again, just that focus on it and staying on it and not letting things go back to normal. Um, Mason, I was, I was curious also about your feelings. You know, I, I watched your, your appearance on the call up, um, you know, you guys went on there and that was just maybe like a week afterward or so 10 days, something like that. So, um, where, where are you at? Are you sort of in that similar, that similar place of, you know, we've sort of, you know, the incident obviously isn't over. There's still a lot of repercussions from specifically the murder of George Floyd, but, you know, we're moving into a broader conversation. It feels like at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, right after it happened for me, uh, it took me some time to kind of process everything. Um, you know, obviously, it, it's hit home um, a couple of times, especially the stuff that happened in New York, um, because that's kind of in my backyard. I'm not too far away from that. Um, but then for it to happen, like legit right in my backyard in Minneapolis, you know, 15 minutes away from where I live, and all my teammates live there, um, that really hit harder. So it took me a good amount of time to kind of process it um, and, and get and gather myself and 
really figure out what I want to do to to help spark change. Um, so at this point, um, I'm kind of with Jacory um, in in terms of now I'm ready to take action um, and and push this movement forward um, and just continue to educate people and, and continue to do whatever I can um, to keep this conversation going and, and to create action um, and not just in the next couple of months, but for years coming um, until we see some major changes. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of work, but um, I think we're all willing to do it at this point because I think everybody in this country has had enough of it. Yeah. What are, what are some of those, you know, first action steps? Again, I think this, this came up in your appearance on the call up and just not putting that, that burden on, on black people to lead this. This has to be something that, mm-hmm. that, that white people and all people are involved in, in terms of making these changes. But just from your perspective, you know, what do you think it's such a, it's such a tough thing to tackle because, you know, there are elements of, of, you know, police brutality that um, involve, you know, reform or refunding or reallocation of funds and redefining what policing means and how, you know, where this stuff is spent. And those are sort of policy things you can deal with, but you're also dealing with just these deep cultural issues that, that, that go back, you know, for, for hundreds of years, you know, people often think things like slavery or, well, that was the ancient past, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's not, you know, the civil rights era was not that long ago. Um, slavery was in the country for hundreds of years. It's, you know, it's, it, there's a deep history there. So just, you know, from your perspectives, like where is, what are some of those first steps that you think um, would be useful knowing that they're not the last steps, but just some of the first ones? Yeah. Um, I think, I think right off the bat, just in terms of the whole police reform and everything like that, I think voting is, is a major, major thing. Um, and people have tried to push this. And it's a big thing in my family. Um, voting and, and uh, just trying to push it and make sure that that you're using you know the opportunity to help create change in your communities and in this country because um, it really does matter every vote does matter um, so I think the big thing is is voting and, and doing your research on that to make sure the the right people um, are in the right places so that we can spark change and then I think the the, the most basic thing and thing that everybody can do is again educate themselves on, on things um, have conversations with your black friends and not uh, to also, you know, take a stand, uh, you know, against people that, you know, you know, maybe your friends or family or whatever. Um, and they're saying, you know, a little sly racist remark or insensitive remark. Don't let that slide. Um, and, you know, bring it up to them and just be like, Hey, like, that's not cool. And explain to them why. Um, but just things like that. Um, so that, again, conversation continues to go. And, um, you know, again, that, that can change people's perspective on things when you actually call them out. Uh, because obviously no one likes to get called out on things. And I, I think it could really allow somebody to take a strong look in the mirror um, and really analyze where their heart's at. Um, and maybe they can educate themselves some more. So I think the big thing first is, is the voting, but, but as well, just, you know, creating conversation and, and calling people out when they need to be called out. Corey, we'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, Mason, and uh, like both of those topics, because it's not some, it's something that everyone can do. It's not like you have to be in a position of power. You don't have to have a bunch of money to be able to educate yourself with a podcast or finding a book to educate yourself or talking to people. Um, and then, you know, we can go into like how difficult it is for some people to vote, but it's not like it costs money to vote. Like it's your right to vote. And well, for some people, it's, a, it's easier to vote than others. But, um, you know, voting can make a huge difference. And we've, we're talking about voting just on not just on the national level. It has to be your state and your local. And 
you know, that's something that I have to look in the mirror myself and be like, hey, I, I know I didn't vote in, in local elections. I stick my hand up and it's something that, you know, I, I have to do better with. So it's not it's not me pointing a finger at anyone. It's like we're all, we're all in this to improve and, and do better the next time. Um, and, you know, the, I think those are the two big things uh, that we can all focus on because it, it doesn't it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's uh, and everyone can do it. And it, it's a small change, but you know, it's these small changes that over time will, you know, combat racism because it's it's something that's been going on for hundreds of years. It's not going to disappear in, in a week, in a month, in one movement. It's got to be a consistent process. Both of you, and um, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm a white privileged male. Um, it does seem as though because of this movement, because of the Black Lives Matter movement, we are seeing, and hopefully we will see, some sort of change. Um, it seems as though there's, there's momentum behind this more than ever before. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but how, how proud are you of, of the efforts that have been made and what you've seen so far? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm ecstatic to see that Again, this has gotten worldwide attention. Um, this hasn't just been in a region of the country. I think this has been a, a national and a global um, kind of movement, and it's gotten global attention. So, for that alone, and, and for everybody, um, you know, just to just see the Premier League in the beginning of it, just seeing everybody take a knee um, and having Black Lives Matter in the back of their shirt, you know, um, that was amazing and unbelievable. And and I think every a lot of you know. Like, a ton of this country is, is taking action and people are listening and people are willing to change um, and change their thought process and, and change the way they look at things. Um, and I'm proud of that. But in the same sense, uh, I think everyone, you know, nowadays we have a problem with consistency and, you know, we'll hop on away for a little bit and then just move on to the next thing. Right. So as much as I want to say, I'm proud of, of uh, the chain, the changes that's, that's starting to happen. Um, I'm going to need to see this, you know, go on for months and, and, and years in advance to really say, oh, I'm proud of the change, the change that's going on because, uh, you know, I, I've seen too many times uh, with these movements, they've been in for a couple of months and then they're gone and we're on to the next topic um, and everybody forgets about it and, and we go back to, to the way things work. So, yeah. Yeah, it feels like there's – it. At least some of what's encouraging is that I think when you look at some other issues that are that sort of seem big and hard to tackle, things like gun control or different things like that, a lot of times when you come up against something like this, it just looks too big and then sort of nothing gets done. But there has at least been this sort of immediate reaction, especially in, in the Twin Cities with, you know, uh, places divesting themselves of the Minneapolis Police Department and making decisions to go away from having, you know, police in schools and reevaluating what it means to sort of work with the police and you know, none of those things individually is is the answer again, but it's like seeing more of those things in the immediate aftermath. And I feel like seeing more people um, speaking up, as you were saying, like just in those moments of when someone is, it, this has been a big thing for me, I know, as I've started to, you know, work on educating myself as well. I started reading um, How to Be an Anti-Racist by um, uh, Kendi, um, Ibram X. Kendi. And that idea that it's not enough to just not be racist, <laughs> but that you have to be an active participant in fighting against it, that there's no, there's no real sidelines in this. There's either, you know, this, the side of, of participating in, in the racist structure of society, or there's trying to dismantle it. And there's sort of no getting a pass on that. And that has seemed like 
you know, a really important thing going forward. Yeah, I would say um, I would say I'm hopeful right now. Um, you know, you see corporations and businesses saying that Black Lives Matter and you know doing all these things. You know, they could just be it's financially in their best interest, and like that's the cynic in me coming out. It's financially in their best interest to say these things because it's what's 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 cool. It's what's you know people are saying on social media. You don't want to be canceled or you know people pro or um, protesting your, your, your company, you know, but they're not going to, everyone loves Ben and Jerry's, you know, they've said all the right things and, you know, the history proves that they've done all the right things. So cor- corporations are going to follow suit and people are like, Oh, I'm going to give my money to Ben and Jerry's Com- companies want that. They want people to give them their money. So they're going to say the right things and, and, and be nice to these corporations. So, or be nice to give the people what they want in terms of, uh, on face value. So it's, What's going to happen in a couple months? You know, I keep harping back at it. What, what are we going to do in a couple months? What's going to happen in, in November with the elections? Um, I mean, I think that's also going to tell how truly widespread and how this country really feels about what's going on. Um, because, you know, um, I don't want to go overly political, but before the last election, you wouldn't have found too many openly Trump supporters. Um, at least not in my circle. And I know I, I recognize that I live in a bubble as well, that I don't know every type of person that's in America, but um, I was at college at Wake Forest and that's a, you know, a predominantly white school with a, a lot of kids that have a lot of come from rich families. Um, so I, I remember after he won, there's a lot of more supporters that were openly there on campus that I didn't see the week before on campus. So it's, um, you, you never you never know how someone truly feels until you know they're all alone in the ballot box and submitting their vote but um you know it's 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 uh we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming months and the coming years how how things progress still yeah i want to um i want to get into some other some other big ideas but talking about that bubble i did sort of want to pull it back and, and just talk a little bit about um you know more about what you've heard from uh, your teammates and people who are in that in that bubble as you like evolutions that people have gone through or, or, or what people are feeling like Mason, what's, what's been, you know, you have the teams getting back to like full team training and everything like that. There's a little more, mm-hmm. you know, contact and things like that. What is, what has that been like? Uh, obviously, you know, getting back to full team training was, has been great. Um, I think as a team, as a whole, and as a club, um, I think we've, we've taken some, some really great steps forward um, in terms of just being open to conversation um, and people being able to speak freely and, and speak their minds um, and, you know, guys being really honest and being like, hey, man, like I didn't really realize that I had a, I had I had that much privilege and I didn't really know what that meant. And having guys explain that to them and having them being open to to learning um, and, and, you know, being vulnerable. Um, and I think that's been a, a really big and, and awesome thing for me to see. Um, and I think it's brought our team a lot closer. Uh, being able to have those conversations. Um, and again, like I said, you know, that, that vulnerability factor always brings you closer to a teammate. So um, that's been really cool for me to see. And um, I'm, I'm just really happy to, to, to be back with the guys. And I'm really happy um, about how they've kind of taken everything. What about for you, Ja'Cory? Yeah, as I, as I was hearing Mason talk, it's like sometimes you have just superficial conversations with guys, you know, it's just joking about, you know, the game last night or whatever the case may be a TV show, but having just heartfelt intimate conversations with people and 
about just experiences that they've had. Um, it just brings everyone closer together and, uh, and, you know, it's white, black, white, black, like everyone on the team, I think is, um, just much closer after sharing, you know, the experiences we've had and, um, you know, are they, they realize we're, we're all in this fight together. It's not like it's, uh, me versus you as a black guy versus a white guy. It's, uh, you know, I recognize that you're, you know, anti-racist. We're on the same team here. Like we're, we're fighting for the same issue. So it's, um, it's brought me a, a lot closer to some of my teammates. So this is stage. I, I just, um, I, I can't, the, just simply the thought of somebody thinking they are superior because they have white skin just just simply it, it doesn't it doesn't resonate that that sort of thinking just doesn't ever enter the, the mindset and, and I, I can't and will never understand how anybody um, can can ever feel that way um, with with everything chaps that we've just discussed and Mason you mentioned it uh, briefly is there a sense of of hope now do, do you sense? that there could be a brighter future ahead? Uh, I, I definitely do think that uh, just with, with everything that's going on, I definitely do uh, feel that there's there's some hope uh, for change, uh, that definitely in this country um, and hopefully globally. Um, but again, like we've said before, um, you know, there, there's been times uh, in the past where, you know, we've had these movements and it seems like we're really getting somewhere. Um, but it's kind of been cut short. But I, again, I, I do have a different feeling about this one. Um, I don't know if it's because of everything that's going on with COVID and, and all that type of stuff, and then it's happened. Um, but it, this one just feels a little bit different. So, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, we continue to take action and, and, and continue to just try to push it day after day um, to, to, to try to really just uh, create and spark change. So I definitely think there's some hope. But, but again, like we said, um, you just kind of got to wait and see, uh, cause you know, it's, it's really easy for everybody to, you know, repost something on their Instagram or on their Twitter and, and say, Hey, you know, I'm a part of this. Um, but you know, if, you know, if you got to walk the walk when you talk it, so, um, you, you got to really take action. Um, and, and then, then that's what, what's going to spark the change. It's not just reposting something on your Instagram or, you know, re retweeting something or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, it's going to take some some real groundwork from everybody to to actually create change. Yeah, Talk of groundwork. Sorry, Steve. I, I would love to to know, Jacory, and love to ask you this because I know our fans will want to know the answer. As a club and as a supporters groups and as a fan base of Minnesota United, what what can our fans do to help? Yeah. Um... I've, I've talked about this with my friends and it's all about just finding your lane and, um, and how to, how to, you know, whatever your, your role is in all this is, uh, you know, Mason and I, we have a, a platform where we're able to talk to you guys and educate and spread what knowledge that we have. And, you know, we have a following on social media where we can, you know, repost things, like you said, and share information. Um, you know, some people are teachers, they can, you know, educate kids in the next generation and how to be, you know, anti-racist. And, um, you know, if you're a history teacher, especially you could teach us history very thoroughly. Um, you know, you, 
some people are, are parents, you know, they can teach their kids. Um, so the avenues are, there's so many different avenues, so many different roads that this can take on. And, um, you know, Mason and I, we've been on calls to try to figure out where the players and the club, like the shape and the direction that we go in and how we affect the community. Um, and so we're still in the planning processes of that and trying to figure out what that looks like. And, um, and I appreciate how the time that we are taking, because we want it to be thorough. We want it to be something that has a lasting impact and isn't just a band-aid and isn't just a, all right, cool. We checked the box. We, we, we're, we're following the, the cool, the cool crowd right now. We're trying to see how we can make this last for, for years to come for this club. So, um, you know, right. We're, we're still in the planning processes ourselves. Um, but I would just tell the fans, you know, just kind of take an internal reflection of, you know, what, what you think your, your role in all this is. And, um, it, I, I think if, if you do that and just stay, stay in your lane and everything will, uh, if we all work together, we'll, 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 we'll accomplish this. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's a fantastic message. And I think it's for, you know, I think it, it speaks to the fact that, you know, as Cal was saying, I mean, obviously there, there's, there's some people out there um, who have, you know, a strong conscious feeling of, you know, superiority or whatever like that. Some of those people are probably beyond, you know, reaching with, with logic about this, but there's a lot of people out there, you know, again, who have not necessarily been anti-racist, but are simply sort of like, well, you know, I'm, I have, I have some black friends, you know, like I don't, but I think reaching those people and, and talking about, the sort of structural elements of racism, the way that, you know, prejudice is a thing that happens on the case by case basis, but like sort of the white privilege and the, and the structure of white power in this country is something that, you know, we as white people, I as a white person participate in, and that if I can be conscious of that and understand that and do my best to go against that, that there's so many people out there who can embrace that, I think, and, and through education and things like that. Um, I, I was curious about, like one thing that's come up as I've been reading stuff is this fact that, in um, in South Africa, after the end of apartheid, there was a Truth and Reconciliation Committee um, whose job was to sort of look through incidents in apartheid and sort of confront it. Uh, it may I, I thought of it because Jacory, I was looking at I was looking again at your essay, and you had the the quote from James Baldwin about not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And that made me really think about the question of you know in this country, I feel like we maybe we haven't had that a real reckoning with what this history is of, of slavery um, in this country all the way through civil rights and up to today. Do you think that that, I mean, I feel, I know that I feel like something like that would be tremendously helpful. It's obviously would be politically, you know, controversial, I'm sure to do something like that. But to me, at least, it seems like an essential thing to really face that history and really have a, like a reckoning about what happened in this country. Um, what's happened in this country. Is that a thing that you guys feel like, could be useful. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I'm a big fan of understanding history, or at least I'm trying to understand the history. So it's you know, history plays a big role in where certain demographics are living in metropolitan cities and you know metropolitan areas, and you know why you know some people have money, some people don't, and the way wealth is built in this country is through owning land, and you know. Black people weren't able to own land until probably the last generation of people. So you're having and probably telling like the 60s, well, those 50s, 60s, about the time where people could legitimately start owning land. So you're telling that's, you know, 
hundreds of years of a, a difference in terms of head start. And, um, so yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot to dive into in terms of understanding the history and how everything that's been decided that was decided hundreds of years ago is still playing a role in the things we hear, the things we see, everything that's going on today. So, um, you know, and not, not enough people know about this. So it's, I feel like if you understand or get a glimpse of that history, it opens your eyes and maybe it's like, okay, now we can have a discussion where we're talking about, you know, talking about reparations or we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about universal health care or all these different topics. And they're all rooted in what the history of this country is. And it's an, it's an important conversation to have because it's not all too out of this world to be suggesting something like universal health care or something crazy like that when you start putting it in a historical perspective. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with what uh, Jacory is saying. And uh, for me, the, the, the big thing is if we can teach history the correct way and, and really dive into these uncomfortable topics, um, because I'm not going to, you know, you, you, no matter how you slice it, it it's always going to be uncomfortable talking about um, what, what happened in slavery and, and just injustices that, that have gone on in this country um, and really hammering home. Um, to students, I think that's a, a really great way to, to really start, um, you know, turning the wheels and, and really start sparking change um, because, uh, you know, we can, you know, with this generation and the next generation coming up, you know, we can kind of cut this out because obviously when you're younger, um, you don't really know any better. You kind of just go off of what your parents are saying. Um, you know, it, it's always funny, you know, when you're, in, you know, I remember being in middle school and kids having debates about politics and I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're just, just, you're just spitting out. You just know, for, what your parents have told you, um, yeah. you know, and then you come to school. Regurgitating what you heard on the dinner table. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's just the stuff like that. And, you know, if you could really, uh, you know, th that's the generation, those, gen you know, the kids in elementary school and, and, um, and, and middle school and high school, you know, those are, these are the, these are the kids that can really, start to spark the change. So if you can really hammer home and show how bad things were back then um, for black people and, and how bad we still have it now and, uh, you know, and, and really teaching stuff correctly, um, you know, then these kids can start to learn, okay, like we're, we're not the same um, in, in terms of uh, what I've had to go through and what, what my black friend has had to go through. And I do have some privilege. Um, and they can recognize that and, and, and start acting accordingly um, instead of just kind of like glazing over things um, in their history classes um, and, and whatnot and uh, really not hammering home points that, that need to be um, taught. So I think education is a, a really, really massive piece um, and educating the youth um, and, and what's going on in this country and things that are going on right now. Um, and I think that's where it can really change because, again, like I said, a, a lot of kids, you know, they just kind of go off of what they've heard. And if we are able to communicate, you know, what's going on to them um, and what's right and what's wrong, um, I think then that's when uh, we can really get some change going. Yeah, I just I just revisited um, 
Ta-Nehisi Coates' The Case uh, for Reparation, uh, which is now about six years old. It's in the Atlantic and you can get it online. And it's, it's, it's a longish article, but again, it's, you know, there's a lot of books to recommend. Uh, maybe I'll ask you guys if you have any thoughts on, on, on stuff that you've read or that you, you know, you would recommend to people. Um, that's not that long. You can read it. And it really does an, a great job of, of especially explaining redlining, which is a thing that people might've heard of. But when you really understand, like, as he, he gets into it and he writes, first of all, he's an amazing writer. Secondly, just explaining what happened in Chicago with with neighborhoods just sort of being forgotten and just shoved aside and these these houses being sold for you know for fifteen thousand dollars in the fifties and then essentially sold to black families for ten thousand more than that, but they're not even owning them they're paying rent it's under contract and they can never get out from under that it, when you begin to understand that stuff that's when you really begin to see like what the case is for things like reparation and for truth and reconciliation so yeah, it's, it's it's criminal <laughs> yeah yeah it's, criminal. it's insane it's 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 tough to read there's actually i i highlighted this uh, a quote from it which um which i'll read now which was talking about um sort of in the immediate wake of people feeling like you know that that um, black people were not owed anything after after the end of slavery. And Coates writes, having been enslaved for 250 years, black people were not left to their own devices. They were terrorized. In the Deep South, a second slavery ruled. In the North, legislatures, mayors, civic associations, banks, and citizens all colluded to pin black people into ghettos where they were overcrowded, overcharged, and undereducated. Businesses discriminated against them, awarding them the worst jobs and the worst wages. Police brutalized them in the streets. And the notion that black lives, black bodies, and black wealth were rightful targets remained deeply rooted in the broader society. Now we have half stepped away from our long centuries of despoilment promising never again, but still we are haunted. It is as though we have run up a credit card bill and having pledged to charge no more, remain befuddled that the balance does not disappear. The effects of that balance, interest accruing daily, are all around us. And I just read that this afternoon. I'm like, this is six years ago. And everything yeah. in there is like, it feels like it's about this moment. He, he could have he wrote it last week, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's distressing and troubling. And that's how it should be. Like, and then Mason, as you said, it's like, I think that being able to be vulnerable and being able to understand that you're going to be wrong, um, you know, like on, on the side of, 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 of white people figuring out what to do about this, that's key. You got to like, you're going to be wrong and you're going to be in a bad spot sometimes, but you got to work through that. And that's, that's just the way it's got to be. Um, Cal, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Um, you know, I think um, the only thing really, which I would, I would ask, I'd uh, be interested to ask you guys is, um, you know, what have you seen in Minneapolis of you both not from here? Um, this is uh, a very, um, diverse and multicultural um, city, um, the metro area at least. Um, have you been surprised, pleased, unpleased with, with what you've seen in the Twin Cities? Mason, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, I wouldn't, I, I'm not very, you know, obviously from, you know, what happened, um, that, that kind of caught me off guard. Um, you know, obviously it could, it could happen anywhere. Um, but you know, I, I really had, had enjoyed my time here in Minnesota, um, my first two years. Um, so it, you know, it, it broke my heart that, that it happened here. Um, but you know, from, from the reaction, uh, towards it, you know, after the, after the fact, the reaction, um, also, you know, you know, that, that, that did not surprise me because, you know, we have really, really great, strong people in this community. 
um, that, that I've grown to love and, um, they're, they're willing to fight for what, for, for what's right and, and, um, you know, what they believe in. And so, you know, from the protesting, obviously the looting was, um, you know, pretty crazy. Um, and there was a lot of people that really weren't, you know, in, in the protests and doing things for the right reasons. Um, but, um, in saying that the protests and, you know, how people have come together and, and raised money for uh, people that have, you know, lost their homes in, in the looting and in, in the rioting um, has been unbelievable. And, and just from, you know, you know, from, for who, from who I know here in the cities, uh, I've just seen everybody taking a, taking a stand and uh, really trying to educate themselves and, and trying to push this movement forward um, because obviously uh everything kind of sparks from here in Minneapolis. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just really happy uh, that, you know, everything is going on here. Um, you know, everything that's going on here is, is, is super positive um, and we're doing the, the right thing. So uh, again, really bummed and just heartbroken that, that this stuff happened here and it, it, like, it really, really sucks. But um, I'm just happy about the reaction that, that this came from it. Cool. Yeah, I really don't know much about the city in terms of like once got here the day of preseason starting and, uh, you know, probably had a good two weeks of being able to go around the city before coronavirus uh, kind of hit us in, you know, beginning of March. So um, besides my apartment room, I don't really know much about the city. Uh, but, you know, talking to a lot of the a lot of the people in the sports world and athletes uh, across the various teams in the city, I'm, I'm excited with the work that various players are going to do and uh, the organizations that we're all going to ultimately work with. And um, I'm just looking forward to what impact we all have on this city and whatever, however long I'm, I'm here. Uh, so um, that's, I'm just more looking forward and I, I don't really have much because I, I haven't been here very long in terms of uh, my, my experiences in the city, but I'm really looking forward to how things shape up in, in the coming future. So, um, you know, I don't want to put you guys on the spot with in terms of, you know, we talked about like books or anything like that. If there's anything you guys want that that comes to mind or recommend for folks to just, you know, check out um, or aside from that, like any last thoughts you want to give, you know, while we've got, you know, this this platform for you. Ja'Cory, why don't we start with uh, with you? Um, and as far as books, I'm a, I'm a big James Baldwin fan. Um, so I'm trying to work my way through everything that he's written. Um, you know, you brought up Tennessee codes. That's an awesome author to, to check out. He had, we were eight years in power where he kind of documented eight different essays during the Obama administration years. And, um, you know, I, I, there's a 1619 podcast, um, at, uh, what's this? Rebecca, Hannah, I, I don't want to miss, miss say her name, but it's through the New York Times. Um, I think I want to say it's like six or seven episodes, maybe like 40 minutes long each. So not too bad and kind of displays the documents, the history of this country um, from 1619 when the first slaves uh, came over. Um, and so that that was a that was an eye opening uh, podcast to listen to in terms of just learning the the history that you don't learn in school. Um, so I, I definitely recommend that and putting everything in a historical narrative. And um, those those are some of the things that I've taken part in. Of course, I'm going to keep doing my own research and finding even more. But those are those three uh, Baldwin, Coates, and the 1619 podcast are the three that come to mind immediately. 
Yeah, it was Nicole Nicole Hannah Jones. Looks like Hannah Jones. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely add that to to my. Yeah, podcast. that's a that's a that's an incredible podcast, and you know the first one starts right off the bat, just talk about you know Abraham Lincoln and you know essentially freeing the slaves, not out of the goodness of the heart, but just a military strategy. So it, uh, right. boom, right right off the bat, we're you know dispelling a lot of what we're taught of in yeah. history classes. So uh, I I highly recommend that podcast. All right. What about you, Mason? Uh, you know, Jacory's gonna make me look real bad. Really, <laughs> this guy is, is, you know, shooting off authors' names and stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, you know, I didn't go to college for as long. I'm sorry. I, I only went for a semester. Um, no, I, I really get my my book recommendations and and just a lot of the information that I have comes from my mother. Um, you know, I I talk to her from time to time and, and my my father as well. Um, they both really are the ones that I'd, I'd get the book recommendations for. So I'd have to talk to them and then I could relay that on to you if you would like, because uh, they've accumulated um, a very, very large number of books when it comes to, to, to race and racial injustice um, and things of that nature from, you know, for I don't even know how long, but, you know, you know they're, they're getting up there in age, but um but uh, but yeah, so they you'd have to talk to them. But um, there, there there are a lot of good, great, great books out there um, that you can read to educate yourself. I don't think it's that hard to find them, mm-hmm. to be honest. If you really are, you know, um, motivated to to learn and to educate yourself, I don't, I don't think it's that hard to find some of the things. So I don't really have the recommendations right now. Uh, if I could get my mom in on this Zoom call, it would, it would be great. But obviously, we can't. We, we can't do that. We can't get her on the podcast right now. But we'll surprise! I brought your mom. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. I have my mom hey, here. Hey, when so. you get that list, send it my way too. You know, yeah. exactly. I got you. No worries. Excellent, excellent, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a really good discussion. Again, it's a discussion that I hope continues going on uh, into the future. So, thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Um, And tomorrow again is Juneteenth. I hope everybody is uh, going to take the opportunity to, uh, you know, take this moment to reflect, educate yourself, some stuff we've talked about. Um, And, uh, and, you know, you, you you take this time to not just have, you know, for those of you who might have a day off, um, you know, you don't, everybody's a little stressed right now, but it's a good time to reflect on, on, uh, on African-American culture and and black heritage. And, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So, Everyone, thanks for joining us for the 102nd Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entrus. And Mason, what's your, what, what's your, do you have Twitter? You have Twitter. I have, I don't really use it, but it's MasonToy98. MasonToy98, okay. And Ja'Cory, what about you? Ja'Cory Hayes. Okay. <laughs> very, very simple, very dry. I'm, I'm, I'm very frustrated. I didn't, I didn't, you know, use that name. So then I would have to buy it off. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. Black Lives Matter. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. And people can like you exactly as you are. Allianz Life and Minnesota United have partnered with Keystone Community Services, a local non-profit benefiting the Midway area to help support our neighbours during this time of need. Allianz Life will be matching donations up to $50,000. To learn more and to donate, go to mnufc.com keystone.